Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Let's say welcome to Arrival Sons. Please welcome to Rock Bottom Podcast. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. Pleasure to be here. We're doing that. I didn't realize this was in front of a large studio audience. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. (laughs) Yeah. I want to thank everyone for coming and being so quiet. Yeah. Especially being very, very quiet. Uh, I've seen you once. You opened up for Aerosmith. I think it was in 2014. Over here in Stockholm. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. It seems like you quickly got a love affair with Europe. You have been played in Europe quite a lot. Uh, were you influenced by like European bands growing up, like the great British classics, Zeppelin and the Oh, Purple and- without a doubt. Without mm-hmm. a doubt, yes. Um, what we- were your favorite bands starting out and growing up? You ready? <laughs> I don't want to list all my favorite bands. All of you, if you list one, you have to list all of them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to say we like the royalty of if you have the biggest podcast in Sweden, I'm sure your listeners know who that is. They're a huge influence. I mean, it, it starts with groups like the Animals, and, uh, and you know, and it goes even it goes further back than that. You know, well, what? I'm going with the stop. I'm going with the royalty of rock, like the British Invasion, is where I was starting. We don't. We're not going to go back into the 30s and the 40s and the blues and all that. No. But from the 60s, yeah, and we're onwards. going like British. Yeah, yeah, so. I think it's, you know, it starts with those bands coming through the Beatles and the Stones. Mm-hmm. And then it turned into Hendrix, who ironically is American, but was kind of, you know, blew up out of London. And Yeah. Um, American bands like The Doors, I'm saying them because I just got a box of their 45s. Um, Pink Floyd. I would say, and we've said this before. Cream Yard It's been... It's probably who you think we would be influenced by by listening to us. Mm-hmm. No it's surprises a, it, there. No, it's all of it's oh, lots a, of surprises. A, yeah, it's a, well, it's a, in yes, terms of lots like, of surprises. There's a lot of other bands we're into. Lots of different styles we're into. Such as, um, lots of jazz, lots of soul, um, classical music. It's, it's um, I'm just as likely to throw on a Cream record as I am a Segovia record as I am Ravi Shankar. Mm-hmm. I am Monk, as I am Radiohead, as I am Tribe Called Quest, as I am whatever. Cool. Know. How did it all start out in Long Beach for you? I mean, was there like a 
a thriving music scene or there there was and is a, a very thriving music scene mm-hmm. <clears throat> in Long Beach and Scott was coming from Huntington Beach mm-hmm. uh, just 20, 20 minutes south mm-hmm. so really down the coast there, there was a music scene there for a minute but it wasn't having to do much with what I was doing really in the end what exploded out of there I was more enamored with what was happening in Long Beach anyway. mm-hmm. and so Long Beach had a, a pretty thriving and healthy music scene um, it's interesting because Long Beach is about 25 minutes, 30 minutes outside of Los Angeles mm-hmm. proper. But it gets lumped in with L.A. And people, when we first got started, they were trying to call us an L.A. band. and But we're just not. We're just not L.A. guys. And um, Long Beach was a little bit different because it's just far enough outside of L.A. where it's its, its own thing. So we always... Nobody from Long Beach wants to be considered an L.A. band. Yeah, oh, yeah exactly. Oh, is that so? It's yeah. a thing. It's kind of like, I uh, always say that Long Beach is the Brooklyn of Los Angeles. Okay. So it's right there, but it's its own thing. Mm-hmm. And its own festivals. Uh, great festivals. Yeah, great, 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 great festivals. Great street scenes and, um, and parties. And- yeah, the city uh, gets behind music. Yeah. Uh, very much, very much. So what did you set out to accomplish? Did you see a gap to fill in, yeah. in the music scene? Yeah, I, I think very much so. Yeah, this was 10 years ago for us. So there was like a few rock and roll bands springing up that weren't like alternative or indie or shoegaze or emo or all this bullshit. Like, I mean, and I like a lot of these types of styles in these bands, but... There wasn't any like real proper rock and roll roll at the time. A couple of records had just come out and they were like brand new when we started, and that would be like Wolf Mother sprung up their their EP, mm-hmm. their Dimensions EP, which was super crazily hip, sounded really really good and fresh for the time. And Jet had also put a record out, um, Get Born, that was really really good. And coincidentally, both of those were produced by. Uh, the great producer Dave Sardi, but and um, both of them Australian, right? Both are also from Australia. Yeah, yeah it seemed like what the hell's going on here? They weren't even connected to each other, right? But um, there wasn't that much other like thing. There wasn't many things re- reflecting real kind of rock and roll ethos, you know. And by that time, like um, the Black Crows had they weren't playing together. You know, it wasn't it wasn't working out for them. So mm-hmm. you you weren't getting any more of that. And Lenny Kravitz was still making oh, records yeah. here and there, but mm-hmm. it was—it felt slightly less relevant. And even he was taking a turn at the moment and becoming a little more modern, right? I mean, remember mm-hmm. he, he, it was like that five record or whatever. I think that's what it was. Well, and it got real modern sounding for a second. I think experimenting because particularly Lenny Kravitz, he's been able to wear so many different hats. Yeah, rock and roll for sure. And I—I I think he's a guy that doesn't get his due. I feel like he doesn't get the recognition for towing the line for so many years. And when we, we were able to play with him recently, going back over his catalog, you know, a huge fan. Anyway, um, yeah, there was a, a, I'm sorry, I'm cutting you off. Uh, yeah. Just looking at it and thinking, this guy's been towing the line for this whole time. And uh, so, yeah, big ups. Mm-hmm. There was a he gap that we were filling. He split his pants when he played Stockholm he last did. summer. Yeah. yeah, and his dick fell out. Yeah, <laughs> you should Google the. Oh, pictures. that was in Stockholm. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. For sure. Your latest album um, was Hollow Bones, right? Twenty sixteen, and then right. and then there's Feral Roots coming out now. Yeah. 
What can you tell us about it? How have you developed or, or have you <laughs> between these albums? I think we've definitely developed. Uh, coming off of the heels of that last record of Hollow Bones, we went out and we toured with Sabbath for over a year. Mm -hmm. So we were really busy doing that. And then we had to follow up and tour, finally um, headline a tour to promote Hollow Bones. And basically after that, we got started with writing the Feral Roots record. And I live out in Tennessee. Scott uh, still lives back in Huntington Beach. We took six to eight months and we took time off from touring. Mm -hmm. So we wanted to just give ourselves some time to decompress, start over. And um, we went out, I guess, to kick things off. We went down for a week down into the southern Tennessee woods and to spend a week alone and uh, flesh things out and philosophized and talked about what sort of record we wanted to make. So no playing, just, you know, we, hanging we, yeah. out and discussing? No. Well, yeah, we brought no, instruments no, no. down there. Yeah. Well, we brought instruments to write. And yeah. Yeah. We went down there to play, but yeah. we also talked about the record. And yeah, yeah we, we were doing Basically everything. laying down the plans. Yeah, all that stuff. How, how do you approach a new album? Are all the songs, they're not finished? Or, or do you all come in with ideas? Or do you allow yourself to develop them once you're in the studio? Or Yeah, uh, yeah we sketch the ideas out pretty well. And when we, on this record particularly, when we brought them to everybody, they were halfway, halfway sketched out pretty good. But there's got to be some level of leeway when we get with our producer and the rest of the guys to, to let it like breathe and, and, and develop with other, other musicians, people we trust, you know. Mm -hmm. Did any of the songs on the new album like take another route once you started recording it and end yeah. up with Specifically, I'd say there's a track called Stood By Me on the record that started out as one thing and became a whole different thing mm -hmm. when we recorded it at Muscle Shoals. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind right. Of, we ended up using the room and the feeling there and just kind of really it became something totally new that we're really happy with. Mm -hmm. Cool. How do you feel you have progressed and developed as a band from, I mean, you've been around for like 10 years? 10 years. Yeah. yeah. I think uh, from the beginning, <coughs> we were really finding our way for the first couple of records. And it's something kind of turned the corner where we had been together for a couple of years, probably right around head down. We, in my opinion, we sort of growing into our own thing mm -hmm. and then um, taking big risks and, and going for a lot of different, <coughs> uh, a, a lot of different um, angles on what our catalog was going to be like and, and what our sound was going to be. And then I think that with the following record with um, Great Western Valkyrie, we zoned it in a little bit more. Like here, okay, so now we're doing this. And then by the time we went to Hollow Bones, we blew it back out mm -hmm. and just th threw out a, a bunch of other stuff. But I think uh, the progression has been really natural. It's been really very organic because we do what we're compelled to do. Well, I feel like doing this. Okay, well, I feel like doing this, so we'll, we'll work it out. And um, I think that we're able to straddle between straight up rock and roll into soul, into some psych psychedelic, into um, ballads. And, mm -hmm. you know, and I think that the growth has been very organic. And if you listen to our, our records back to back, I think you can hear the lineage. I feel like the band is, is this band is capable of making a record every two months. 
Really? Oh, yeah. There's, there's like, an, such an amalgamation of uh, influences and styles and things we want to accomplish and a real hunger for writing. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash boast. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. So um, I, th- I think we can get really creative quite often. You Do know? you write while you're on tour? Yeah, I think you write when you feel like writing. I tend to write for a little bit just about every day. And I think that's more just when you get ideas, you write them down. Or you sing them into your phone. Or you grab a guitar and you play it into your phone. And then you go back through and you listen to the, you know, once a week or so, you listen to all of the ideas that you've come up with. Mm-hmm. And that was, a, in large part, a lot of our collaborative efforts, sending each other ideas. Okay, I'm working on this thing. What do you got? Do, you know, do you, are you feeling this? Maybe throw something onto this. So we would do that back and forth mm-hmm. in writing. Mm-hmm. So what was it like to start out as a band in an era when album sales were not so great and the support from radio and media were kind of poor? I mean, did, how did you have, like, a market strategy or, or did you just leave that to other people? Or how did you get such a big following? And that happened pretty quickly for you. Um, we were lucky. We signed to a UK label named Earache. Mm-hmm. Which is like him. a death metal. Yeah, and they had built up, like, a really loyal following in the metal world. Because they put how out come these, you like, ended up there? <laughs> I think they just, they had done really well with, with their catalog and those kinds of artists and I think their reach got long enough and wide enough and they got smart enough and made enough money to go you know what we should try to branch out and see how it goes and at that at that time we were the first we were the first rock ones. band that we were the first band that wasn't metal or death metal yeah, yeah I know the very first wasn't one. that scary for you too oh definitely yeah. Yeah. we thought the first few times that they like propositioned us for a deal was they, I thought they were a joke yeah I thought they were like, you know, guys that ran a metal label going like, this is hilarious. Look, I'm going to offer these guys a record deal. This Like, like a spinal blues- tap moment? Yeah, like let's <laughs> offer this blues rocky, like, you know, like fuzzy rock band yeah. a, a record deal and see if we can get them to sign with us as a joke. 
I don't know, because to me that seemed like it would be funny if I owned a death metal label. Right. They, <laughs> well, they pursued us for long enough and let us know that they were serious about it. And at that mm-hmm. time, they hadn't set up the business model that they have now um, with promoting rock bands or... I didn't really answer the question. Or rock and roll bands. I but, think I think the I was should answer the question that you actually asked that <laughs> why did we get presents because this yeah. metal label actually mm-hmm. had a reach on all these publications mm-hmm. and immediately there was that's really specifically why like the Be- core media they had a, of going yeah like in UK media and European mm-hmm. media they had outlets already waiting for them so when they serviced our record it immediately went out to all these people mm-hmm. and it was kind of such there was so much audacity that they were putting out a rock and roll band that a lot of these metal publications took it immediately that some of these more mainstream like classic rock magazine mm-hmm. and, and other ones too just took it immediately and we made a good record yeah that's why it worked you know because there was audacity behind it there was reach with the label we made a good record it just took really quick i think that's what happened so what's your driving force now to to go forward and and still tour as much as you you still do don't you ever get tired and oh yeah you get tired i think that there are a couple of different things that that a couple of different ways to answer that the more that we do this the more the the larger the fan base grows the larger the the fan base grows the more opportunities we have to make records it's not really a situation where you can get bored or over it we try to keep each other inspired and to push each other as much as possible. Um, and so there are so many possibilities. You know, people ask you to come out and tour with them, you know, like legends. So mm-hmm. you get great things like that. And then you get an opportunity to make another record. So then you go back into the laboratory and then we write and we do all of these things and we get to find out who we are. There's so much to do. You, there's so much to do that you don't get bored. Like it, it seems like for me, I just feel that we're on a journey. We're going somewhere and we're constantly going up a little bit. So you started out bit. basically as a band long term. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. no, absolutely. <laughs> You've toured with a lot of like super legends, Black Sabbath and, and Aerosmith and I think Judas Priest and ACDC. Mm-hmm. Our first tour through the UK was with Judas Priest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was interesting. And that was just to mention a few. <laughs> How was that? I mean, well, that that first tour, you know, we were talking about. We first get here, and we're in kind of in the metal world because that label that we were on, they all of their they were introducing us to all of these metal outlets, even though we were playing rock and roll music. Um, understanding who the metal audience was and getting to know them was a great education to see how loyal and supportive they are of each other and how great they treat the bands. Uh, it's just incredible. Did you ever get starstruck when you started out and you started touring with sure. the Giants? still get starstruck. I think less a little bit now, but still totally, yeah. I still meet people. We've been talking about recently a lot, meeting Jimmy Page at one of our shows. It's pretty hard to not get a little starstruck when you see these people that wrote the soundtrack of your life. Of <laughs> it was fun meeting Eric Burden mm-hmm. at an award show and, and, and Greg Allman and, and there's just so many. I met Brian May that night. That was amazing. Billy Gibbons, Chef Back. These people for me, yeah, get a little starstruck. Cool. Tony Iommi. Yeah. 
Yeah, the Sabbath guys, absolutely. What's even weirder, though, is when you become comfortable and friendly with them, and then that starstruck thing kind of goes away, and you have to remind yourself, oh, my God, this person isn't just my friend. This was someone that was mm-hmm. on the back of my Tony right. jacket. That's, yeah, 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 that's actually fucking Tony. I am <laughs> not my friend Tony. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, you get, I, I, I still get starstruck. It depends on the person. It depends on the situation, but you have those moments where, oh, shit. This is actually how. I'll tell you what we don't do. Probably act foolish or act act too starstruck. And there's it's specific because you find how, even at our at the level we operate on and where we are when you meet fans, big, big fans, people that have tattoos on their body of us or our goddamn faces on them. It's bizarre. It's unbelievable. You know, and they've been to every show and they've been, have every regular super fans. Some of these people, and God bless them, they just, they act, they're really, it's really awkward. And I get it, because I'm a fan too. Uh-huh. But when that awkwardness happens, it's really, you feel bad. It's a little off-putting, and then you can't have any kind of conversation. You can't really be anything. So we just have to be that, you know? It's almost like a TV screen. So, like, you're just, you can just look at me like I'm on a screen then. <laughs> I am not that person. I'm a totally normal person with my friends. I have children. I'm, we're normal people. So, but to you, I'm something else. So we don't want to act like that. So, so any of you, mean. any of you, if there are any fans listening to this podcast <laughs> and you feel nervous when you approach us, there you go. Feel more nervous. Keep it <laughs> <All> together. <right. laughs> yeah. Keep it together. And yeah. Don't be foolish. No, I, I totally get it, and you know, so does Scott. I get you, it. You get I, you get excited. I get excited. Yeah. I think that's a good thing, though. Not get not getting too jaded. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To still get excited. We always finish off with uh, the cringe song, and that is a song that you're kind of embarrassed to like, and something your fans would go, "What the." Okay, yeah, I really I, we, we have a hundred of those. Yeah, I, I, I have. Bring it. For me, I have no shame, and I think Scott's the same way. Uh-uh. No shame. Whatever I like, I like. And if you think it's corny, then fuck you. We write ourselves a, 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 a merit of excuse. Like we're we're, we're allowed to, to like whatever we want because yeah. we can see the quality in songwriting. We can see the quality in a good hook. We can see the that stuff counts. So probably many of your fans are going to go, I don't like pop or I don't like country or I don't like, there's so many things like I don't, you know, fuck these like pop stars. To me, I'm hearing the pop radio, which would be most of the cringier shit and going, it's cringy, but that's fucking a magic hook. You know what I mean? Like even something like, uh, what was the big, uh, big Adele song? What was the big, um, hello. Oh, hello. Yeah. I mean, that would be cringy, right? Yeah. I wish I wrote Hello. I listen to that song and it's I'm like, brilliant. fuck <laughs> that performance and that hook. That's yeah. fucking huge. Mm-hmm. So that's one. Um, we're also 80s junkies. Oh, so, yeah. um, I mean, we're music junkies. <laughs> yeah. I love, yeah. I love, all so of, something all from the, the 80s. New, all something of the new wave, the all the new wave stuff from the 80s. Like Girls just want to have fun. Cindy yeah, Lauper. Go-Go's Vacation. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Bangles. Weird Al Yankovic. Weird Yankovic. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Yankovic. That's that's cringy for sure. <laughs> yeah. Weird Al. Um, just all of it. Like I like what I like. Lady in Red. Krista Barge. 
A few uh, people have no, mentioned no, that. One and four. Um, simply red. No, no. Um, lady in red. Lady in red. Is dancing. Yeah. It doesn't matter because it's like I hear a song like that. It reminds me of holding hands with the girl, like my first French kiss at the roller rink, like all of that stuff. Aww. It all goes in there. I'll yeah. Take it. Try to shoot me down. I only become more, more powerful. I love all of it. I love. I love the whole ABBA catalog. The whole thing. Yeah. All been, of it. We've been rocking all of the 80s stuff. Like, I've been rocking that at home, like, with the kids. Like, uh, uh, Level 42 and, mm-hmm. and like, uh, what are some of the other 80s hits? Thomas Dolby. Always something there to remind Yeah. Thomas Dolby, She Blinded Me With Science. Oingo Boingo. Weird I don't know science. If, I don't know what. What I don't know how, what's. Let's think of something really cringe-worthy though. Those are really good. Flying away with science is kind of cringe, though. Really? Oh, that that song yeah. is crappy. Dolby is that amazing. Is, it is sophisticated pop music writing. Also, it's uh, great. I, hook after just great hook. I will also invite everybody <laughs> listening and yourself. To put that shit on a good system, that is a serious recording. Oh, yeah. Like where the bass frequency is, that shit sounds really good. I have to go home and listen to that. <laughs> um, let's see. Cringy, 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 cringy. We've done uh, pretty good. Cindy yeah. Lauper Girls is my fun. That could be really cringy to people that like rock and roll. But that is yeah, so good. Know, that so you hear it. Yeah. Yeah. I am. <laughs> Thank you so much. Well, thank you for best having Best of us. luck with everything. Thank you. The pleasure yeah. is ours. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.